All right, good morning. Great to see you this morning. So glad to be with you. At the turn of the 20th century, a man named Alfred was one of the most preeminent scientists and inventors of his day. And Alfred made his fortune by inventing explosives. His most famous invention was dynamite. And he actually invented these explosives for the purpose of of construction, like building highways or laying the foundation of a building, but soon their, their military value became evident. And most of Alfred's money was actually made selling his material and devices to the military. Well, at the end of Alfred's life, he began to reflect on his legacy to humanity. And while his inventions were meant for good and were certainly being used for good, he also realized that his inventions had equipped the armies of the world to deliver destruction and death on a level not seen before. And he began to ask himself, was this how he wanted to be remembered? So Alfred rewrote his will, and he used the bulk of his fortune to establish an international award to be given each year to scientists, thinkers, and leaders who had made a remarkable contribution to the betterment of humankind and peace in the world. The man's name was Alfred Nobel, and his prize was the Nobel Peace Prize. And it is, to this day, one of the highest honors that can be awarded a human being. Now, as we sit here today and we think about, about this idea of peace, uh, not only is, is it the Nobel Peace Prize, but peace itself is an incredible prize. We want peace. We long for peace. We, we need peace. We have uh, hectic lives, busy lives, and, and I think a lot of us here this morning could use a little bit of a peace prize. Maybe you're, you're overworked at your job. It could be there is a family crisis, uh, students freaking out about their grades, or uh, financially times are tight, or maybe it's more of a, of a relational conflict that's creating so much anxiety in your life. I want to talk to you today about joy in peace. And what we're going to learn today that our God, this God we worship, he is a God of peace. And by directing our attention to him, we can experience more joy and more peace in our life. So peace is possible. Whatever you're going through today, it's possible for you. It's possible for me. We've been in a series here at Hope called The Joy of Knowing Jesus Christ. After today, we just have one Sunday left in the book of Philippians. But I was thinking about it this week. If there ever was a man who could be anxious... It was the Apostle Paul, the man who wrote this letter. He's writing from prison. He's in chains for Jesus Christ. He faces a trial and could possibly be executed. He could be beheaded. He could lose his head. That sounds a little stressful. You would think Paul would be miserable because of the circumstances of his life. And yet the tone of Philippians, as so many of us have seen throughout this series, is surprisingly joyful. It's surprisingly full of peace. Philippians is one of the most joy-filled books in the entire Bible. 
The word joy or rejoice shows up more than 16 times in only four short chapters. Listen to what Paul says in our theme verse, which comes from our text today. I love this verse. Philippians 4.4. Maybe you've heard this before. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. That's the encouragement for us today. Paul tells us about an always joy. And where did he find it? Not in his circumstances. Paul never would have found joy in his circumstances. He found his joy. What does it say? In the Lord. He's rejoicing because he knows Jesus Christ. And his joy is in the Lord. From, from Jesus' fullness, we have received grace upon grace. What's Paul's secret? It's the joy and peace that flows from the presence of Jesus Christ in his life and the same unbelievable joy, this glorious and, and unspeakable joy is available to you and to me today. Ah, but at so many times our question is how? Do you realize what's going on in my life? Do you realize you know, this battle with my health, this stressful situation, what I'm going through at work? How do I experience this peace from God? How does it become a living reality in my life? And as Paul so often does, at the end of his letters, he gets very practical. And he gets very practical for us today. And he helps us to understand how to have more joy and peace in our life. As we read this passage, I want to invite you to pay attention to two ideas that Paul repeats. Two words. They are the words peace, because peace is our topic for today. So you're going to hear the word peace. But then the how, you're going to hear another word repeated. And it's the word mind. Peace and mind, or peace and think. The powerful truth here that can change our lives today. And it's this idea that by choosing to direct our mind to the joy of Christ, we can actually experience more of God's joy and peace in our life. It's available for you. It's available for me. So see if you pick up this theme as we read this passage. We're in Philippians 4. Feel free to open up your scripture and, and study along with us or just uh, look at the verses up on the screen. I'll read it for you. Philippians 4, verses 1 through 9. Pay attention to the words peace and mind or think. Verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, of whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with... Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Here's been our theme verse for the series. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Hallelujah. He's coming again. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. That's the word of the Lord for all of us today. Amen? God can change our life. He can change your life. We can enjoy more of God's peace by making a choice today to think differently. The God of peace is with you. He is with me. And we can experience his peace today by changing our thoughts, changing our focus. And we're going to look at three of those areas where we can think differently. But before we do, let's open up our time with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are our God of peace. You're an awesome God. You're a glorious God. And so this morning, we just ask that you would be directing our minds to give our attention to you. Help us to focus this morning on the word of God that is spoken to us. Speak to our hearts. Change our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray for the, the stresses and anxieties that, that you would set us free to experience life-changing peace and joy. Today, God, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to dive in. How do we experience joy and peace? How do we experience more of God's peace in our life? By thinking differently. Three areas. Number one, think differently about arguments. Now, these are going to come right from our text as we, we're just going verse by verse. Think differently about arguments. Now, my wife and I have an argument pretty much this time every year. Uh, fall is arriving. The weather is getting a little bit colder. And... My wife always pulls out the flannel sheets. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. How, how do you sleep in flannel sheets? For her, it's like the coziest thing she can imagine. But, you know, I, I sweat just looking at the things. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's always like, we're putting them on. I'm like, no, we're not. We're to get those off. It's, a, it's every year. We're, we just have this debate. I share this lighthearted example just to remind us. A conflict and disagreement is a part of our life. It's a part of human relationships. That could be a, an argument with a family member. It could be frustration with somebody at work, getting angry about another driver on the road. And yes, as many of us have learned, <laughs> maybe you didn't know this, conflict and disagreement also happens in the church. You ever experienced that before? A lot of us have. You know, this church that Paul's writing to in Philippi, a church in Philippi, which he had founded, was a truly amazing church, was a healthy church, a gospel-centered, gospel-preaching church. Yet even here, Paul hears about an argument that has arisen between two of the leading members. Wow. Now, the fact that, call, you, the fact that Paul name-drops these two individuals... In a letter that's showing up, that's going to be read in front of the whole church, it kind of tells us a little bit that this conflict has escalated to the point where it's affecting everyone in the church. You know, and that's how conflict can be. 
disagreement, frustration. It doesn't just affect us. But it starts to weigh on our family members. It weighs on our loved ones. It, it weighs on our team and on our communities. And it has to be resolved. We got we to do something about this. It needs to be taken care of. Can't go on. Philippians 4, Paul takes on the role of a conflict resolver. He wants us to understand that God's heart for our relationships is that we truly work through our difficulties and that we come to a place of peace in our relationships. But in order to get to that place of peace, we need to think differently. We can't fix our minds on anger. We can't fix our minds on unforgiveness or bitterness or any of those things. We need a whole different mindset altogether. One that's going to bring peace first to our heart and then to our relationships. So look at Paul and how he helps us to get there. Philippians 4.1. Right? We're thinking differently about our arguments so we can experience God's peace, first of all, here in our relationships. Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So Paul hasn't even gotten to the exhortation, but before he gets there, he speaks to the value of the relationship. He speaks to who we are to one another. And, and look at the words that he uses here. He uses words like brothers and sisters, loved, longed for, my joy and crown, dear friends. Have you ever noticed we sometimes have the worst fights with the people we love most? And Paul's trying to change our, our thinking and to help us realize the value of the relationship, who we are to each other. Sometimes Angie and I get frustrated with each other and we have a habit of saying just a simple phrase, hey, I'm not the enemy. I'm not the enemy. We're on a team. We're in this together. And, and that's kind of what Paul is showing us here. In, in this case, these are dear friends. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. Next, Paul appeals to each of the women personally and directly. This is verse 2. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. So, first of all, he's asking each of these women <clears throat> individually and personally that they would take on this, this similar mind in the Lord. Now, what, what is he referring to here? He's referring back to a verse we read back in Philippians 2.5, which says, in your relationships with one another have the, the same mindset of Jesus Christ. And as we saw in Philippians 2, the mindset of Jesus was one where Jesus went low. He humbled himself. He took the very nature of a servant. He loved us and he forgave us. That's who Jesus is. And now here Paul appeals very personally, not to the women together, but he very much appeals to them individually. Just, just look a bit here at this verse. He says, I, I plead with Euodia, see, and he said, I plead with Syntyche. He could have combined them. He said, I could have said, I plead with Euodia and Syntyche. He doesn't do that. He speaks to each one. Now, don't think about the other person. I'm, I'm talking to you. You begin in your own life, as much as it's possible for you, you begin to go low, humble, forgiving, taking on the mindset of Jesus. It reminds me of a verse I love that helps me in so many 
of these relational conflicts, Romans 12, 18, which just says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live it peaceably with all. See, this is where our, our, the responsibility, I can't control what that other person's going to do, but I can control what's happening in my heart and in my life and in the choices I'm making. So if it's possible, as much as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with all. Paul closes this paragraph by asking an unnamed person to help them work it out. And, and sometimes people in conflict just need another person to support them and encouraging them towards reconciliation. And we can actually be that unnamed person. Maybe that's why Paul leaves it unnamed. So we see ourselves being able to take this role in somebody's life. Verse 3. Yes, and I ask you my true companion. Have no idea who that is. But Paul's saying, I ask you my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our names can be written in the book of life. Jesus is our Savior. See, we were, the Bible teaches we were at once at odds with God. Our sins separated us from God. But Jesus did what he, we could never do. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead so that we might have peace with God. And the Bible teaches we have peace with God, not through our own works, but simply through faith in Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, you can be forgiven. Because of Jesus, you can have your name written in the Lamb's book of life, which is just a new relationship with God and an eternal life with him. That's a glorious and beautiful peace that God has given us. And now we get to have that peace in our hearts and we get to extend that peace to other people as much as it depends on you and me. How do we enjoy more peace in our life? Number one, think differently about arguments. I'm coming to a place in my life where I want to say I want to be humble. I want to forgive. I want to be at peace. I'm thinking about the argument in the Lord. Have this mindset in the Lord. It's in Jesus and I truly believe if two people will do that, there's nothing we can't work through. I believe that. How else can we enjoy more of God's peace? Number two, think differently about anxiety. Think differently about anxiety. I'm choosing to think differently about arguments, my relational conflict, and today in the Lord, I'm choosing to think differently about anxiety. Now, anxiety is probably something that we don't talk enough about. I looked up the word anxiety in the dictionary, and I got this definition, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. Anxiety has become so prevalent in our lives and in our culture. And the reality is, Anxiety has become the number one mental health issue in America. And in fact, the, the studies are showing that 31% of all adults, that's a stunning amount, will at some point in their lives have an anxiety disorder. So that, that's not just general anxiety, which a lot of us feel, but nearly one-third of all of us, of all of our friends, will have 
a panic attack or an anxiety disorder or we're either going to have it now or at some point in our lives. And there's a lot of us that are feeling anxious and worried right now. A new poll from the American Psychiatric Association shows anxiety surging right now as nearly 90% of Americans report inflation-related anxiety. I'm anxious about how we're going to pay the mortgage, how we're going to pay rent, how we're going to afford groceries or the opportunities that we can give our, our children. But it's not just adults feeling anxious. We see anxiety on the rise in children and youth. And it's been said that the average child today has the same level of anxiety, exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. That's how much anxiety has gone up and has even gotten normalized. We are living with a lot of stress and anxiety. I am too. But here in Philippians chapter 4, Paul shows us that God has a plan to help us deal with our anxiety. Look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I love this verse. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. I've memorized it. I would encourage everyone here, memorize this verse. I've applied it to my life, and we want to apply this to our lives this morning. The passage begins by Paul saying, don't be anxious about anything. He wants us to hear this important truth, that God doesn't want us to be anxious. God doesn't want us to be afraid or to worry. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, the Sermon on the Mount, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. So peace really begins with a powerful choice of choosing not to worry. And that could be a hard thing. So what, what are we going to do instead? Instead of worrying, what are we going to do differently? Well, we're going to think differently about our anxiety. And Paul goes on. He says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Paul says, don't be anxious. Pray. Pray, tell God about the things in your life that are making you anxious, right? Present your request to him. Come into his presence. Come boldly before the throne and say, God, this is what has me worried. This is what has me unease, God. I'm presenting my request to you. And it goes on and it says, don't just lay out your request before God, but, but, but pray with thanksgiving, in other words, I love this. This is the month of Thanksgiving, right? We're coming before God. We're laying our, our fears and anxieties before him, presenting our request to him. And then Paul says, but don't forget to thank God for every good thing happening in your life. Don't forget to thank God for every blessing you're experiencing from him. And if we will do that, if we will pray with thanksgiving, we'll begin to see your whole mindset shift as we release those worries to the Lord. As we reaffirm our trust in God, he has a glorious peace for you and me today. I love this. He goes on. He says, and the peace of God. This is the promise. This is the result of, of going in every situation with prayer and thanksgiving, both. He says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we're going to learn a couple of things about the peace of God here. First thing about the peace of God, it'll blow your mind. Because God's peace is as big as God is, and he's big. Right? He, it's more than we can fathom. It's more wonderful than we can comprehend because the peace that we're going to experience is as big as God is. It's God's peace, the peace of God. Second, it says that this peace will serve as a guard. Paul says it will guard your heart and your mind. That word guard is a military term. And it's the word for a dispatch of soldiers that would guard a city. And the picture here is that God's peace is going to serve as a guard against the attacks that come against your heart and your mind. There is a superior peace beyond anything you've ever experienced, beyond anything this world can understand. As you present your request to God with thanksgiving, he's going to send his peace so that it can guard your mind. Is this a one-time thing, church family? Like, oh, yeah, now I've got it. No, this is a in everything, presenting your request to God. A daily, daily, minute by minute, moment by moment, trusting in the Lord. You know, I, I love Isaiah 26.3. It says, um, this is a great promise. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. God has perfect peace for you. He will, he will keep you in perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. The most effective way to stay at peace and to come back to peace is by fixing our thoughts on God. We're changing our thoughts. We're changing our focus. We're releasing our anxieties and fixing our minds on the God of peace above. That's how we experience more of God's peace. Number one, think differently about our arguments. And we're going to embrace the mindset of Jesus. Number two, Think differently about our anxiety. And number three, think differently about our attention. Think differently about our attention. The mind is really a special gift from God. Um, it's, it's been said that uh, the mind can hold up to 100 trillion thoughts. That's a lot of thoughts. You probably have a lot of thoughts going on in your mind right now. But what thoughts we allow to focus on? What thoughts we give our attention to? What thoughts we are going to allow to fill our mind are actually really important. And they make a difference in our mental health. They make a difference in our spiritual health, in our relationship with God. I'm going to give you a really embarrassing example because it's the best I got. Uh, at age 17, I became a Christian. The year was 1995. It was the golden age of rap. And I listened to all the top rap artists, Tupac, Dr. Dre, Coolio. Like, we were living in a gangster's paradise. Some of you were there. I had friends at youth group after I became a Christian who threw away all their secular CDs. Just put them right in the trash. Did that? I didn't. I kept listening to it. 
And I continued. I, actually, I didn't think it was going to, I was like, oh, this doesn't affect me. And yeah, rap has a lot of bad language, but I don't use that language, so what's the big deal? Well, I began to notice, and I think this was probably the Holy Spirit working in my heart. I, I began to notice, because this music was so full of anger and profanity and sexuality, God began to show me that the more I listened to angry music, the more I felt angry inside. And I needed to make a change. And so, goodbye, gangster's paradise. Hello, gospel gangsters. The original rappers for Jesus. <laughs> kind of crazy, right? But I noticed a change immediately. I did. Because we become what we give our attention to. There's an old adage, garbage in, garbage out. What's coming in to your thoughts? What's filling your mind? What, what, what websites are you visiting? What shows are you watching? Uh, what, what thoughts are you dwelling on? Are there negative thoughts that you continue to hold on to? Uh, is it, or maybe it's just too much news. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's shows full of sexuality or even fear. But I truly believe today, if we want to experience the highest levels of God's joy and peace, we got to think about what we're thinking about. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So Paul just gives every one of us here today full permission to go gangbusters on everything that's beautiful and good and true and excellent and lovely. He says, fill your mind with such things. Why, why would he say that? Because all of these things that are good and true and beautiful lead us by the hand to the God who is good and true and beautiful. I just read this morning Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. And he spoke, and he created, and everything was good. In other words, everything in this life that is pure or lovely or admirable, it all comes from him. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And they're meant to remind us, to lead us to the God who is so beautiful and so glorious and so true. But I want to point out here that there is absolutely no limitation here. There's no secular or sacred divide. Um, so like, like you could only think of Christian things in your life. That's not what he's saying. He gives us a whatever permission, whatever is noble, whatever is right. And I, I sure hope that we're meditating on the word of God because there's nothing more true and beautiful and lovely than we can fill our minds with than God's word. So we do that. But the permission goes beyond this, beyond a secular sacred divide. And some commentators even notice Paul's actually using words right from the culture that day. Why? why? Why does God give us this freedom saying whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right? Because all truth is God's truth. All beauty is God's beauty. All goodness comes from the goodness of God. 
And it all gives glory and honor and praise to him. That's by design to give glory, honor, and praise to him. So if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, Paul says, think about such things. In other words, positive in, positive out. That's where I want my life to be. When we change our attention, we change our life. And I've just been asking God this week, would you fill my mind with good, true, lovely, and beautiful things? First of all, with him himself, and then would I focus and dwell on those things that fit that bill? So three ways we can enjoy more of God's peace in our life. Maybe you can't do all three, because that's a lot, but would you pick one this morning? Would you just pick one to focus on? This week, I want to think differently about an argument, a tension in a relationship. I want to think differently about anxiety. That, that could be it for you today, a lot of us struggling with anxiety. Or number three, think differently about attention. I need to change the focus of my attention. Philippians 4.9, Paul closes this amazing passage by saying, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Put this into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. We saw earlier, right, the peace of God will be with you. He closes at the end saying, the God of peace will be with you. And I want to live my life in between those two spaces. If we will direct our minds this week to the God of peace, the peace of God will be with you and me. That's his promise. Will we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this amazing time. Thank you for your amazing word that gives us such practical things, that touch such specific areas of our life, like our relationships or our mental health this morning or just what we're allowing to fill our minds. And we admit this morning that we need to make a change in our thinking. We don't want to think only of earthly things. But would you elevate our minds to dwell on Jesus Christ in the joy of knowing him? Even as we worship you this morning, I pray that, that you would fill our hearts with peace because we truly worship the God of all peace. Help us, God, today. We confess our sins. We confess our need of you. Change our life as we change our focus. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great morning. These are, these are real issues for us. Real areas of our life, and I just invite you this morning. Let's bring them before the Lord. As we worship, present those requests to him and thank him for who he is. And my prayer is that you'll leave here with all God's grace and peace. I want to bless you.